Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Let's Drone Out. Today is a Thursday and it's episode 396. So we are almost to the 400, guys. We're going to have to figure out what we're going to do for 400. Great work, team. I'm proud of you guys. I'm glad we're here. Cole's going to be, unfortunately, a little bit late. But today we are joined by... Uh, the man with the moustache, Stephen. Good evening, everyone. And uh, Jack, lay in the fireworks for 400 if we haven't. Yeah. Um, everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello. And I'm Brighton Till I Fly. Hello. So what's Hello. everyone been up to this week? We had a we had a, a rare sunny day. A day with clear skies. Are you talking about Monday? The infamous Monday. Monday which I've called an oasis in a desert of sh- it was amazing. It was it was both sunny and calm, which is amazing because either side there was like weather warnings where it's between forty and fifty mile an hour wind and rain, and I I managed to actually fly. I think possibly for the first time this year. Maybe I went one time well, before. What did I flew you fly? The little plane, the little plane I talked about. Oh yeah, the one that's this big, which worked really really well. Caroline in the chat said it it would work well and it it was really good uh, until i tried to go is it an e-wing no it's a it's an e-sheen it's the same as the volantex we were talking about this last time a little 1s jobby with uh built-in stable it's a zero i think but yeah Yeah. stabilization there's 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 lots of companies that make something quite similar um and this is really good for the fact that it did work in stabilization once i put it into expert mode i kept crashing it over and over um, and this prop thing is bloody genius. If you crash, the whole thing pops up and it just goes click, and the whole thing just clicks in. It's Such amazing. A good trick. Yeah. So I crashed this about five times, one of which is like smack straight down, and no damage at all. Squirrely. I really enjoyed that. It looks right. How small? It's I think it's four hundred millimeters. So it's, it's really small. So you, you yeah, it's one S. And you do need a very calm day for it. Um, but that battery ran, it said it would run for like 10 to 15 minutes, and I was flying it for over 20 minutes, although it does, incredible. does include me going and finding it whenever I crashed it. But it just went on forever and ever. Really liked it. Which is just as well, because the quad I took, I managed to forget to double-check that the gyro was facing the right way in beta flight, because I just upgraded the firmware. This is the one, Steve, this is the problem quad that uh, we talked about before yeah, and uh, I, I forgot to check that so as soon as I put the power on it went <laughs> in the air and fell down Terrifying. again so yeah I, for- I, I forgot to check that I just assumed it would be okay completely my fault but 
that's sorted again for next time. So just wait another three months. Perhaps we'll have a day like that. We have to fly again. Excitement. You can see. You can see why I do the whole taking off with the foot thing in my room now. Because when you finally mm. do make it out, at least you know it is going to fly in some capacity. Yeah. I use a crappy 18652S and I put that on there and it needs like two thirds throttle to, to hover. But I, it's just enough to check whether it's going to freak out. Uh, genius. No, it was one, you, you know, when you're, you're sort of, I'm slightly rushed into it because Pippa's got COVID at the moment. So I was kind of running oh, around really? after her. And then I'm just like, oh my God, there's a good day on Monday. I need to charge everything. And I got the batteries charged, the GoPro's charged, everything charged. I just double checked it again on my radio to make sure the modes worked and stuff and the props were running the right way. Didn't think to try hover because it wasn't a new build, It, but I'd upgraded beta flight and um, it had rearranged the gyro rotation without me knowing uh, because so of the, the test. The previous app. version had the default position in a, a different orientation and it defaulted yeah. back to... So it's like, yeah. I think your gyro is at minus 180 when it should have been minus 270. It's as simple as that. So when you when you pitch forward, it thinks it's going that way uh, and and rolling. So that, that's only going to end in tears. As soon as yeah. the, the throttle goes up just a little bit, it's like something going wrong. And the props then spin up to try and correct it. And it goes, I know how to correct <laughs> pitch. I use these motors. Oh, that's not doing anything at all. That's <laughs> not the right one. At least... Um, Beta flight is pretty good when you're taking off that it detects a runaway quite well. And yeah. it's like, something's gone wrong here. Taz this, this, I'm it? upside down, and I don't yeah. think I should be upside down. There's been a bit mm. of uh, development on that as well, because there were a couple of people who found that um, when they engaged beeper, that switching from beeper mode to, like, if the radio was disconnected, sometimes the ESCs were thinking it was PWM instead of D-shot and firing up. So there's, there's been some weird. extra safety stuff there as well on the, on the arming side. And um, everyone's in on it, like the Blue Jay guys, the AM32 guys, and beta flight devs. For some reason, there was, there was a delay when you had the beeper on, and then that you disconnected the radio and reconnected it. It could somehow fudge the delays such that the ESC would kind of reset into oh oh i'm in pwm mode now or something and it went a little bit nuts but that's apparently resolved that, that uh, it can occur with one two yeah it's, down it's happened with beal heli 32 i don't think beal heli 32 has uh, a fix yet it's just like a t riding very close like there was a 320 millisecond timeout and something was waiting 250 milliseconds and something else was delaying it by a fraction, and it just pushed past the three twenty millisecond timeout and went into um, to PWM somewhere. I don't know. Very <laughs> odd. Very odd indeed. That's weird. So, Stephen, you've got a little bit of news. I do. So this is from Twitter. Um, thanks to Frank for for this excellent little tidbit from UAV Hive. Thank you, Frank. And UAV Hive has something to say about Gatwick, the old, old problem that has been here for so long. The latest Freedom of Information Act to drop, combined with a Ministry of Defence one some months since, is pointing to there having been a drone at Gatwick, likely some <clears throat> redacted toy that fell out of the sky of its own accord, probably even on the 19th at the very outset. 
and the authorities were too embarrassed to admit they'd been chasing nothing for days afterwards. It's in the DFT's own Gatwick incident log that London Gatwick had photos of something at the outset, which they never released to the press, but the photos made it to the MOD. Interesting that Giles York told the Parliamentary Defence Committee that no photos existed at all, which clearly isn't backed up by the incident log. Thereafter, it was panic and a load of assets deployed. Despite Ministry of Defence advice against it, both kinetic and jammer equipment was in place and approved for use by the end of day two. Uh, this was kit that was alongside the um, MOD and RAF. Sorry, this was kit alongside that the MOD RAF were deployed with, which was showing that there was no drone flying about from day two onwards. So there was a lot of evidence to say that nothing was in the air. They'd got photographs of a toy drone and they refused to release those photographs. And they even refused to show the photographs to a parliamentary defence committee. So someone has gotten very, very embarrassed by this situation. And instead of admitting that there was some incompetence, they've decided to cause a national panic. Great. So it sounds like, if we're getting this right, there was maybe a report of a drone flying, which was maybe true, and it crashed on its own accord. Surely the thing to do was be look at it and say, oh, it's just some plebby toy thing that's maybe just gone out of control mm. and flown a thing. No reason to panic here. Yeah. Which would be the, the obvious response instead of jumping up like crazy people and saying, shut the airport, mm. we're under attack. Oh, I hear these things very... can fly for two hours in the dark and rain and might buzz our tower again and again, which yeah. seemed to be the stories coming out. Well, we've got this very murky situation where at the time Gatwick was changing hands and there was probably financial penalties associated with this type of incident that might have had real effects on the actual price that Gatwick was being sold for. So it's all distinctly murky and I guess we'd have to really follow the money, but I'm not sure anyone's put together that trail of evidence so far. It appears someone somewhere needed an incident. They needed a spectacle in a kind of look over there, don't look over here style of misdirection. And for whatever reason, they decided to point at a toy drone and tell everyone the sky was falling, as Karen says, mm. chicken, chicken little. Yeah. Or some sort of see the photo. I expect somewhere in, in Gatwick or somewhere there's, there's a bag with a tiny drone in it marked, don't show this to anyone or something. Yeah, yeah. Rob was flying this on his lunch break. Please don't mention it to anyone or something like that. But yeah, it, it seems to have just marred the whole hobby for years. And, and when we cut through all the hyperbole and the hysteria, what we find is that it's entirely misrepresented and blown out of all proportion, which none of us inside the hobby were terribly surprised about, having seen the ludicrous claims that were being made, but which... The general public seems to have entirely believed and seen it as justification for, you know, criminalising this swathe of, of air usage. Yeah, it was one of those interesting times. Normally when you watch the news and it's something about a subject you don't particularly know, you just watch it and say, oh, that's interesting. But watching this, knowing the, the amount of, of bullshit that was being spouted, it was like, oh, my God, how, how are they saying this? This, is, this, is, this isn't true. And all that—it's—it's it's just crazy. Yeah. I even had um, 
like friends of um, like other parents from like Sophie's school at the time that were air traffic controllers that asked me directly if it was me. It's like, it's not you, is it? You didn't do this, did you? I was like, no, it was Tony. That guy on the van with the goggles. Yes, he's Allegedly, may have been Tony. <laughs> Don't forget. We already did um, the disclaimer. It's fine. Yeah, we didn't read it out. Any views expressed right. by any guest of this show are personal and may not ref- reflect the view of others. Tony was there. There was video of Tony there. <clears throat> with Wearing goggles. goggles. Yeah. Standing on a van looking very suspicious. <clears throat> yeah. He wouldn't have picked up anything because there was a jammer there anyway because it was already pre-installed. It's just a ludicrous situation. And I, the trouble is, I feel, no matter what evidence is produced at this stage, it's it's made that impact. It's marred the reputations of many hobbyists. And it's it can't be undone. And it's really annoying that there's not going to be an apology. There's not going to be any recognition of actual evidence. It's an argument that's been made and passed and accepted purely on hyperbole, and that's the way it is. My my question for you two and anyone in the chat, do you feel that that incident has had an effect on us legally as, you know, as a community, or, um, or do you think... Uh, or do you think all the sort of like rules and registration were all coming in anyway? And I think they're coming in, but it, it it certainly sets the public mind against us. So if anyone does end up in a legal situation, then you're going to be judged by a jury, and the jury is going to have seen this kind of reporting. A wild coal yeah. has appeared. It, it definitely uh, affected things for the worse. I mean, it was it was already starting to be threatened. But as soon as that got into the public eye and the public being a bit stupid and, and misled by the news were literally saying, these should be banned, these are terrible, they need, and, and, and really behind registration. And I remember us like arguing this at the time, and it's just so stupid. They kept showing things like, oh, drones are dropping things into prisons, drones have closed down Gatwick. How long before a drone takes someone out the, out the sky and kills hundreds and like we just made the very simple point that if you're going to do bad things, then you don't submit to registration. Like people that mm-hmm. rob banks generally steal a car for their getaway car. They don't use their own because it could be traced <laughs> back. And this was all so very obvious, but the government felt it's literally say there was a drone problem. We fixed it. We've, we've put in these restrictions and we can do worse yeah. things. It was just a box ticking thing, which somehow cost millions of pounds, even though it was a simple database with like 100,000 entries, somehow cost millions to write and maintain. Hello, Cole. Hey, guys. Sorry for uh, showing up so late. I was Co- stuck Cole's in, in the, the West Wing again, I see, where, where he keeps his uh, piano and uh, entertaining <laughs> area. It's a nice, Cole. I mean, you're you're trying to hide that room, Cole, but the amusing thing is, it's the cleanest room out of all of us. I know. <laughs> Cole's like, oh, you might see a ca- you might see a cable in in the shot. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, just piles of crap littered. Well, mm. really, yeah, there's not that much. There's a couple buckets, yeah. a keyboard stand in the mirror, a rack mount thing that I'd put. 
a piece of bag over. And then that's not my desk, but yeah. Some some nice little uh, monitors there on the desk as well. Oh, on yes. Yeah. Speakers. Oh, oh, there you go. Nice. One, well. one day you'll have to go in there and scrape all the... The, the um, gunk. Yeah. The gunk out of that because it turns it's conductive. All the glue they put in them. Yeah, apparently these uh, speakers can be bad after a while. But I, I've had them for like ten years. They've been fine. Yeah, yeah I, I went down some kind of audio nerd thing and, and for for a second briefly considered buying active monitors and spreading them around the house. And then I thought better of it <laughs> and decided just to stick with headphones because it's much much saner and uh buying like random used genelec monitors on ebay seemed to be a somewhat crazy idea i got i oh, got me a thing gps gps is that a bn or a be that's bn yeah, yeah. okay did uh is my stuff showed up yeah uh it's supposed to be here within the next five minutes apparently so yeah, fair enough yeah. So I was going to ask you guys, what's uh, what's your guys' opinion on this BN220? You guys used it before? Yeah, they work fine. It's very generic. It's it's the old, uh, I forgot what it is now. The It's the same GPS receiver that lots of other things use, and they seem to work fine. Because I was at the store, and the, the guy was basically saying... Um, you can get that, or you can get like a Maytek one, which are like, apparently better. They have a little bit more. They come with <clears> silicon <throat> cables instead of PVC cables. They're a bit easier to. Sorry, solve. you bought it from a physical store. Yes, I did. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Different world. Go on there. Have you guys ever been? Have you guys ever been to Rotor Geeks or ever shopped from Rotor Geeks? No. I'm it, David. Where's my <laughs> nice screwdriver? Hello, Dorothy. <laughs> She's in the mirror. We see her. I know. Oh. Oh wait, and there's two cats in, in frame now. There's one oh, there. Yeah. One. yeah. So I finally got myself a 5.5 mil box driver, and this was only like five dollars, which that's not bad. But not very deep yeah. though, because like when you say no, a box driver, what's a box driver? Hex driver. He's um, trying to say hex thing. driver. No, it's a nut spinner. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, for five bucks, uh, it'll do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I've, I've, I use little sockets on mine, so I've got all the different sockets for tiny sizes. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so, Curry, I was actually at a physical store. Uh, in the Toronto area, there's about, uh, about two or three different physical stores around the greater Toronto area that you can actually go to. And, it's incredible. Yeah, it's pretty cool. They all and they're not just... In the UK, when you go to an RC store... It was like you were stepping back into the 80s where there's this <laughs> new technology called a LiPo battery. And if you wanted a free S2200, it would cost you about £60. Yeah. And, and they tried to sell you metal, metal hydride first. Yeah. And they had lots and lots of balsa. And everybody that works in the store, apparently you don't know they work there because they just ignore you and read magazines and, and don't do anything. But I'm amazed not only at their physical stores, but they're selling FPV kit, essentially. Well, this so Rotor Geeks is basically FPV centric store, and it's it's not the kind of store where you walk in and there's this big gallery and you can look around on the shelves and whatever. It's more like there's like um, it's almost like a like a strip mall. Do you guys know what a strip mall is? Like no, basically, like, uh, 
Is it like business going is, to an off-license in, in Streatham uh, is, is or Brixton where that? you walk up so to I've, a plexiglass window and you have to point at things behind the plexiglass window and the guy behind the counter squints like you might be trying to rob the place? <laughs> I thought the strip the mall was when you had the hand. sort of square of, of shops all in a sort of a, a square rather than like an indoor right. mall sort of thing. Well, put it this way. Basically... So you're on a main road, you turn into like this, almost like a plaza, I guess, where it's like, it's one solid building, and then there's different doors along the way, and you can go in, and, uh, and there's just oh, different yeah. stores. Well, Rotor Geeks is like, you walk into these, like, foy- this foyer, you turn to the left, it goes to one store, you turn to the right, there's another door, and then it's basically just, there's a door, you can step in, like, one step, and then there's a little um, counter, and you can say, hey, I need this, I need that, I need X, Y, Z. And then they go, oh, yeah, all right, do it up on the computer and give it to you. So it's it's not quite as fancy as, I guess, maybe I made it sound like, ooh, you can go into a store. But um, I, I think Rotor Geeks, they've actually been around for, for quite some time. They've, um, well, Jack, you, you ordered stuff from them ages and ages ago, right? Yeah, it was the original... Um... Cobra Motors, but it was sort of the second or third batch, and they were uh, thank you, uh, Flight One. And unfortunately, there was a few in there that you just plugged in, and they just smoked instantly. So it was a bit of a nightmare. So I ended up sending back about two or three of them. Which is dumb, yeah. really, because the air miles on that is ridiculous, and yeah. I could have harvested the bells and you know bearings or whatever. But you know, yeah. they, David didn't believe me. Obviously, didn't didn't know me from Adam. But you know, so I, who's this British guy ordering stuff from Canada? Yeah, I know. And what's I was he sending like, back to me? <laughs> it's just like you can see that they've had like no packs on them. And yeah. you know, like the prop nuts haven't even been used yet, and you plug them in, they just smoked. And it weren't it weren't Road Geek's fault. It was just like Cobra, like Cobra lied about the size of their stator. You know, they were, you know, they they were writing it down as four, and it was six and mil huh. or something. I can't remember. And you know, yeah. just the quality kind of dropped. And um, you know, it's right before the time of. You know the red bottoms, really. And as soon as the red bottoms come out, the power difference and their neodymium magnets—you know—they became the motor to get. But they were aluminium and made out of cheese. We really should have a drinking game every time Jack mentions red bottom motors. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't it? I don't even like them. I've got a it's video got a of shot, me killing them. I'll, I'll I have look. four of them, and I liked them until I crashed into steel and concrete. Yeah, that's the only thing with them. Yeah. Well, I still got some Cobras that work fine. They're a bit rattly after a while. They're really rattly. Just got zing. Seems all right. Some zing and RCM power. My delivery is late, Jack. No, I do, I do have some LDRC, LDARC ones where some of the motors have counterclockwise thread and some have clockwise thread because someone thought that their motors were strong enough to actually unscrew the prop. Uh, clearly an assumption that didn't hold out in the long run. But 
I've got one quad where I have to remember to unscrew the props in the opposite direction, which always catches me out. I dislike that. Just to have them all yeah. going the right way. Yeah. Just... Unless your props are like 20 inches wide, there's just no way that the moment of inertia is enough that you could do anything to a Nylock nut. Yeah. I mean, you can if you don't screw them down properly, but or you don't have a locking nut, but that's, that's not you really the case. don't screw them down properly, that's, that's a whole yeah. different thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I, at the start of the episode before I was here, I saw you guys, Curry, you guys were talking about your plane excursion. And, uh, yeah, that, was, that looked like a lot of fun. But it was really crazy how, how the wind really affected it at that one part of the field. Mm. Well, that's that the, the main part of that was was me flying low, trying to catch it on camera. If if it was up in the air, it'd have a lot more time to recover. But because I wanted yeah. to sort of like do fly pass, I was kept bringing it in low. But yeah, you you get things like that. You you'll find, especially flying planes. Lots of people will know this. Uh, there's sort of areas that will produce a certain. The, the wind will go around there, and like just flying over treetops always produces a lot of turbulence and stuff like that. Because you had yeah, a hedge yeah, right there, and the wind was hitting the hedge, and then just bumping yeah, straight it was up. Yeah, right in a corner. Something, something was yeah. going on there. It was like it was rolling back or something. It was really weird. <laughs> but you just, just oh. like don't fly low over there, and you'll be all right. Yeah. What are we looking what at? We is it here, Jack? Is this on fire? Yeah, of course. It looks like you've only have you connected all three oh, phases. No. There we go. Kill it with fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Uh notice the uh <laughs> the title of it. <laughs> dead, dead, dead. I want to be searching. Yeah, so that plane was like seventy grams, wasn't it, Curry? It's incredibly light. Yeah, super light. Although I, I said I wasn't going to mess around and do anything with FPV, but a couple of guys have replied and said, oh, oh we're should. flying ours with an all-in-one camera and it's it's absolutely fine. In fact, they said it's a little bit... Someone said it was a little bit towel-heavy, which is why it's so hard to, to fly out of stabilisation. So maybe just popping a little all-in-one just up here or something. Mm, yeah. Pop it there. Well, if Might you can fly for 20 minutes on the existing battery, you could go for a smaller battery probably and recoup some of the weight of the VTX. Yeah, that's true. But, it I mean, the VTX is like a couple of grams, one of those little all-in-one jobbies. And they're absolutely fine. I've just stuck them on everything. <laughs> I've, I've stuck one of those on a Scalectric's car on a remote control snake. Nice. Um, everything. Those old all-in-one um, whoop VTXs, the 25 milliwatt ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't generally get them now, but Ishin did a whole bunch of them where they're literally just like, hmm. it's little, li literally a little camera with a VTX stuck to it. Because I yeah. remember when, when a cow ate the camera, I just managed to take the VTX off and use it for something the else. The board is the exact same size as the camera board, and then it's got a little yeah. soldered-on antenna at the top. Yeah, it's just it, and it's just literally like free solder connections um, yeah, on there. Yeah, that just that'd be perfect on that. Yeah, of course, I've you need to make 3D. sure there's a five volt line inside because it's only one S. Uh, yeah, those those cameras will go on on a single one S battery. Oh, great! They, they okay. go three to five okay. volts, generally speaking, so they're absolutely fine. You just take the line oh, off the main battery, and you'd be fine. 
So I might do that. I just say it's going to be so long before. I mean, Caroline, Caroline told me that she has one and it flies fine up to about 10 miles an hour. But even because I'm right on the coast and that feels very open, it's very rare that the, the, the wind's as light as 10 miles an hour. But we'll keep trying. And if it's not, if it's windier, it'd be fun just to see what happens. I can fly backwards. I, I did notice because I saw your video in one direction, we could really clearly see the plane like moving across the frame. And you turned and it just whoop, whipped yeah. right back in no time at all. Good fun. That's, yeah. I mean, that's why it'd be nice to have uh, something bigger. But it kind of it swings around about, isn't it? Because I think you could take that into a park and no one would get too offended, depending on the park. But as soon as you go bigger where it will fight the wind, and I'm thinking something like the old Zoe Dart, which is one of my favourite planes, which is still a pretty small plane and would fly for like 20, 25 minutes on... Um, a 1300 3S, but it's obviously bigger and louder and Noisier, heavier. Yeah. But it will, you know, it will cut with the wind. So I think that the noise of- really speaks to people's sense of danger, stuff like this. I can fly mm, I little so. micros around the park, but if I start like flying, or even just like an ultralight on 4S, five inch, people don't pay any attention, but you break out like the 1900 KV 6S and suddenly people are like, what the hell is that noise? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. I find you only have to be, sorry, you only have to be like a certain distance up and they won't notice it. But of course that's not the sort of flying you do on a quad because that's no fun. You can't dodge around trees if you're above them, can you? Mm. Sorry, Jack. I I find um, with like flying in wind, it's more, I find the greatest effect is more to do with the weight helps with penetration. The heavier you are, the I find the easier to get in, you know, to fight the wind, I found. And the other what? thing with... But then you need a bigger motor to yeah. take the weight. Are we talking yeah. about in planes? Yeah, in planes, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you've got something quite heavy-duty, like those, uh, those right-wing planes they don't even seem to notice the wings and very aerodynamic like the the wings are are pretty nice in the wind much better than like a a more traditional plane with like a rudder and stuff where the ring wings will just cut through really nicely and just whoosh along you mentioned you had some issues with that where you were having to really carefully coordinate the turns right because it it just lose lift otherwise and the motor wasn't strong enough to power out yeah so if if I was I was in yank and bank mode, so I was just using the one stick, and I would pull back on the elevator to try and get it to turn more sharply, which it didn't seem to like. It, it got a bit squirrely and sort of, oh, help me, I'm in a stool. But you just feed in a bit of rudder and aileron and, and leave mm. the elevator alone completely. Then it was it was absolutely fine, which is actually the right way to fly. I'm, 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 I was in wing mode. I was like, oh, yeah, I've got this rudder thing, which is interesting because often I fly wing, and I'm doing a turn, and I'm like, Oh, hang on. The rudder doesn't do anything, does it? That's no good. I forget about it. Right. <laughs> so you're saying with wings, fundamentally, extra power solves the uh, control finesse issues. You just power through it. I mean, yeah, ex- extra power solves a lot of things. It, it, it Again, it's it's a balance. The, the old Bixler, its original motor it came with, was so efficient. I could fly for like 30 minutes on a 2200 battery. But if that got into trouble, full throttling... Um, it could it could get stuck in this nasty sort of stall where it, it do, 
I just could not pull out of trouble and it would like, oh, I'm falling. And with those big wings, the wings would go down and it would wing stall and, and you'd have to try and recover and stuff like that. So there are bigger motors on that now, but it will fly for half the time. So it's like, oh, well, that's that's not as good. But it is better. Yeah. But um, yeah, power. Power equals get out of trouble fast. A bit like quads. Yeah. On, on, my, on my old 3S, it's like you go into a dive uh, several seconds before you hit the floor, you go full throttle, and then it sort of slows down. Mm-hmm. With like 4S, 6S, you're like, oh, I'm an inch from the ground. I should throttle up, and you can still get away with it pretty much. Yeah. Can't. Yeah. 6S, you can just kind of be like, right, I'm going to clip the ground, take take a little bit of grass, and just rock it out of there. And the full throttle is like... I found with with a lot of quads, I don't fly with GoPros, and it's kind of amusing to get up to full throttle. I should probably like motor limit them, but I just keep that full throttle for moments of sheer joy when you're just like, right, let's be stupid. Let's just whack it on full <laughs> throttle. And I know if I'm like down at ground level and I do just an instant, like flick up the stick like that, then I'm going to pull like a hundred amps out my lipo. My voltage is going to drain. But by the time I realize that I'm 99.9 meters up in the air, I'm looking down at the beautiful scenery. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. One thing I will say about pushers is... um... On my uh, AR wing, I done the whole thing where I moved. I done like standoffs for the motor to move the prop even further away from the back of the wing, so you don't waste a load of energy with like the noise and um, you know like efficiency. You know better efficiency, but the trouble is with doing that is you have to put more weight up on on the nose. Yeah, I mean wings are loud for that reason, unfortunately. But the, yeah, I find the further out you move the prop, the less wing-like it looks. It just kind of looks like a backwards plane at, at the point where it's like wing yeah. end, and then some time, and then there's a prop over here. Does that tend to unbalance the prop if you put it like? way out don't tie it to the body does it encourage vibration and stuff like that i don't know i don't think so it kind of depends what your quad's made of normally normally in a wing you'd have like the the body would be shaped and there'd be a motor mount you're, you're only talking about these things where the more modern wing where you you've ex- got this sort of central column where you might are be you extending the off the motor over. are you moving the entire motor back or are you yeah. putting like a, a prop extension off the motor all oh, right okay no yes yeah. like so there's the the uh the firewall which is what you screw the motor to mm-hmm. and then there's standoffs and then the motor then sits on that oh, okay the only real downside is obviously the weight thing you have to put more weight at the front because you've got a bit of leverage there and you could snap your your motor off more easily because obviously it's stood out and you know more leverage easier to snap off cole do you want to read this one out like comment subscribe thumbs up thumbs up guys yeah 
That's really enthusiastic. Uh, Curry, uh, any news on whether you're going to get a replacement back for your uh, Radio Master box? Yes, according to Radio Master, they're sending me one. Although I think they have got the, the, the right backs for the actual release. So I think everybody that had a boxer pre-me had saying, a pre-production bottom. Well, essentially. I, I don't think they were in mass production by the time I told them. And they said they actually went out and bought a ghost, ghost module special to see if they could fit it in and, uh, and change oh. their design. So I think hopefully everyone that's actually ordered one as a customer has got a proper one. If if not, talk to Radio Master and say my module's stuck in the back of my box. <laughs> the answer no, is how to get it out. To other people and and they a uh, couple of racers who were using Ghost, they were surprised to hear of this. So it sounds like that the real release versions didn't have that flaw. Yeah, I think so. Which is kind of why it's like it's it's pointless to me to talk about it and say, hey, they've re- they've repaired this, and everybody else, like, well, mine's fine. It's just as it's kind of weird how. Because they'd made a ton of radios before that. It's weird how they chose a different dimension for the new radio when they've made, like, thousands of t It's really curious. This is, this is not their first radio, and it's not their first time with the full-size JR-style module. Um, something just must have got missed somewhere. They didn't particularly test it out. And I think one of the problems is their latest... Their Ranger module didn't seem to suffer from the problems. The, mm. the problem is not the fact that it, it's a bit tight, yeah, especially with ghosts. It's like, knock it knock it in there. The, the problem is to get it out, there's no flex in, in mm. the back because it's so tight. So to get it out, if you unscrew the back and the back's away from, from the main body, there's then more flex in the plastic and you can get the module out easy. So I guess they've just they've either made it bigger or they've made the walls thinner or something, so there's a bit more giving it. It's, it's really... Is it just one of these things where people have been making JR Babe modules for ages, but there's no published spec and everyone just goes by some rough agreed-upon measurement that isn't accurate enough? It seems that way. Just given that I notice certain modules are slightly tighter than others, and other times it's quite hard to get modules to line up on the pins quite nicely. Mm. I've had it before, yeah, especially with Crossfire. That yes. you can you can miss the pins and they'll go up and somewhere. Tracer, yeah. mm. I had Where, to dismantle a tracer module once because it just got wedged with the pins stuck in a funny angle. Weirdly, the R9 module has some of the best designs for getting the pins lined up because they've got these nice round holes and it sort of they've got like cones, with the pins they? quite nicely. Yeah, so yeah. it goes in nice. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's all vagueness, isn't it? I'm sure there's not like a, a release spec where where JR says this is the, this is the thing for our, our modules. It's just each. Each manufacturer kind of vaguely copies the other one, and it's—I I don't know how Radio Master didn't test this properly. I guess they didn't test it on enough range of, of modules not to see it. But hey, they the, fixed it, and I don't the, think the, any properly is affected. There was an interesting Surface transmitter that was released by Radio Link, the RC8X, I think, which claimed it did crossfire on a Surface transmitter. But then I looked at the video of how they wanted people to wire it up, and they're like, yes, so you just use the trainer port. What you do is you get a trainer cable, and then you cut the end off, and then you solder two pins onto the trainer cable, and then you shove the two pins up into the module for your 
esport or whatever s bus and ground and then that's fine and like this is just there's so many ways this could go wrong so you need to power the module externally and you've got to make sure the ground is tied to the radio ground or you're in a world of pain and then you've got to connect you've got to hack up like a headphone cable and solder to these tiny wires inside the headphone cable and then manually insert two pins this is what their video they didn't even have like you know how sometimes you just have the, the pins on their little board in a row, like... Can you find this you. video and play it to us? It was, it was a amazing. shocker. I can it sounds, it sounds like... So bad. It's kind of like how old school I, War Free Free worked, which was always train a cable, and it's just the PPM signal going into the, the old thing. But that's because it, it, it didn't have a special protocol, and that's the way things worked then. But, that you know, it's 10 years ago. This is more up to date now. I do kind of miss flying um, Crossfire, but then equally I don't. <laughs> I'm okay because because I've got so many models around and I haven't got enough money to buy lots of receivers every time like the flavour of the month changes. It's like, well, that's on Crossfire, so let's get Crossfire. That's on ELRS and that's so let's fly that. The only thing I won't fly anymore is R9 because I was like, Bleh. it was <laughs> It was always bad. <clears throat> Even when it was was going, so it's just like they all just get converted over to ELRS. It's much better. But how, I still um, stuff quite happily. Yeah. How uh, how's the uh, open HD stuff? Is that what you were working on with the soldering of the Raspberry Pi? Yes. Uh, for for people that aren't privy to our our group chat, we had I. I, I was having a problem with a pie and I asked the guys to sanity check it and Stephen very nicely spotted um, I'd managed to what you have to do, you have to um, solder things on to USB instead of using a USB socket so I'd soldered on and just a bit of the solder was just clipping something else and that was causing USB to fail completely oh my god this looks horrendous this looks like <laughs> a war crime like who, what, who what could possibly go wrong? This? So for our audio viewers, we've got someone who's got a Surface transmitter with one of those little headphone socket trainer connections. And Sorry, the video just, is, can you explain what a Surface transmitter is? Sorry, just, like a car one with a little plastic wheel on the side and a trigger, a pistol grip, pistol grip. And oh, it's right. got some relatively fancy color display that looks a little bit basic, but we can see protocol output mode is set to CRSF, which on the face of it looks great. But then the means of connecting CRSF as recommended by the manufacturer, this is from Radiolink, this is the manufacturer's video, they, they say get a headphone cable and solder two jumpers to it and then just kind of poke the jumpers into the module, just, just kind of hope that you get it right and just, just jam them in there and this is, this is probably how you want to do it. Um, <laughs> And the module has wow. to be powered by an external XT30 while you're doing this. And it's just like, let's just hope that nothing goes horribly wrong. Because we've got a battery powering the module. We've got a battery powering the radio. The grounds aren't tied together until you actually link them like this. It's all just, you could really quite easily end up with magic smoke coming out of your Crossfire module, I think. It's, it, it's not... I don't think I'd recommend this approach for someone. I'd probably say, you know, put this in a bit of breadboard or one of those little plastic pin holders and then label which is up and which is down and be very careful about plugging it in. 
And then, then once you've tied this gestalt nightmare of Frankenstein's monster together, you've got a headphone cable stuck out the side of your pistol grip transmitter. You've got a crossfire module hanging off the headphone cable, which is also hanging off a LiPo that powers the crossfire module. And you've got to somehow drive a car while holding this kind of electronic net of chaos. Yeah, that looks. Uh... It's just. Oh, yeah. And then you're. The how do you do that? Do you not? Um, is it two S voltage? It's going to be two S. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there aren't any. It would seem particularly long range car transmitters. But if you really want to do that, you know, get a regular transmitter. That's the hilarious just... thing. Like this is a three hundred currency unit top-of-the-range transmitter, and this is the solution. This is their premium solution, right? Most can't even talk crossfire. This one can. And the way they've decided to recommend doing it is just to kind of pilfer an old headphone cable, solder jumpers on it, and sort of poke at a crossfire module, which I guess you're supposed to hold under your armpit or something while you <laughs> use the radio. It's somewhat chaotic. <clears throat> I mean, call me crazy, but build a, build their radio with a module bay if if they're going to support external modules. Exactly, Curry. I mean, they put it in the firmware. Maybe they hacked it in late, but the really obvious go-to would be to have one of those little nano adapters just on the opposite side to where the wheel is, and you just slide the thing in and never think about it ever again because it's not going to fall off or catch fire or tangle you up when you try and drive the car. <laughs> But just yeah, that one caught my attention. Just a real weird one. Not sure quite what was going on. I like the fact that it does include CRSF support. So hey, you could use your ELRS kit there as well for for a cheap solution. But please, just give us a bay. You know, give us an external bay, and don't make people go through this chaos with the the trainer port because there's such there's way better ways of doing it. In fact, Radio Master, if you're listening, please just just make an HTX pistol grip transmitter move that that whole scene out of the 1980s and into modern times with an edge tx pistol grip transmitter that gives people all the power of edge tx for car users that would be fantastic will they be able to understand the whole programming edge you know edge tx malarkey that's the problem you can ship with a default mo- model can't you i mean there's only like two channels to worry about so it's it's a fair assumption you've got steering and throttle, and if it doesn't work, you swap the channels the other way around, right? You, you could have extra <laughs> buttons to make extra exciting things, especially if you're doing the old super scale, I'm driving around uh, pretending to drive a truck, and I need 10 channels to yeah. do my lights and my engines and my, my indicators. Anyone and wanting to do whatever. head tracking would have a much easier time. Lurky, we want your opinion. Would they would they ad- would they adopt this or would they reject it? They like I drive car. HTX too 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 tough. Hurty brain. Just have, just have a wizard that says <laughs> twist your wheel. Okay, I've got that one. Now use your trigger. Okay, we found the two Ow. channels. You're on. You're good. I was yeah, simple as that, right? Yeah, oh. you, I mean it's it's hard to map Careful, channels where you've got like something that might fly off and go crazy, but the car where one of those channels is just going to wiggle the wheels in a really obvious fashion and not damage anything, 
and the other one you could just you know keep to a very very small amount you could easily just be like are the wheels waggling or not oh dear i so did not actually, say that can't go as mix as lurgy yeah i mean <laughs> there is that whole barrier because a lot of them just buy the receivers with the transmitter and they don't do anything more than like bridge two pins that's the beginning and end of it i don't understand Sorry, why more car drivers don't do more with this sort of stuff and FPV. When I was watching a, a while yeah, ago, and um, Caroline mentions Kevin Talbot there, I saw the the the, the speed championships at this um, airstrip somewhere in North England, and they they can get these cars up to like you know 170 miles an hour. It's really fast, and what they have to do, they have to drive it as far as they can see. They have to ponce about with some Fataba pistol grip thing to try and get better range and then they have to drive it towards himself very carefully and go and hope they can direct it through the two speed things if you just had fpv you're just like okay no problem and you yeah. had a decent radio where you didn't need to so easy it's about trying to mod for tarver things you'd be uh can't go even further you could have like a little radar where the gate is and just have a hud that shows you where the gate is oh yeah it's, it's left a bit right a bit right perfectly lined up on dead center and just gun it and off you go yeah it'd, it'd be laughable. we should build a speed car but they're so expensive to to build yeah <laughs> you end up much. with like 12 s 14 s components and they're just ludicrously costly it's a massive yeah. gulf between 2s and 3s stuff and the, the other stuff sorry Carl, right. it's almost like drag race like drag racing kind of dra- uh, cars you're talking about like, yeah yeah these yeah. perfect no, it was it was things. purely um a, a speed thing so they they go one at a time and they just basically hit through these sensing gates that says how fast they're going and there's there's records held and i think i think the records are like 200 and just over 200 miles an hour or something in one of these cars and of course if they wipe out it's pretty spectacular because you can imagine the yeah. number of rolls and spins one of these things gets when it goes and they're doing it with like 12s worth of five amp hour lipos so those things fly yeah. out like huge amounts of lipos in series and in parallel and multiple motors and escs like this big <laughs> that do like, you know, 200 amps and stuff um but yeah it's uh it's it's impressive but it's very expensive builds very expensive builds yeah. Curry, what's with the facial hair? How come you've got a bit of a, a beard going? <laughs> it's quite what's a lot happened? of the beard, actually, but it's 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 see through because it's grey. It looks kind of Salt not like a beard. wisdom. Yeah, beard. I like it. I I feel yeah, you I have feel, to uh, you have to be in that for the long run and uh, and grow like a big massive one. I'm going elder statesman at the moment before not I try and get to Christmas. No, I recommend El- Elder I, Wizard. I can't compete with you there. <laughs> there's, there's no chance. I've just got lazy programmer beard. It's, it's so close to being a neck beard. This I, is I like the most way. I can grow. <laughs> it just ends up looking is... like it just grows long afterwards and, and not thick. No, this isn't particularly yeah. thick. Well, it doesn't look thick because it's all different colours. Grey and slightly less grey, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I found a way of of having my um, CPAP machine where it will actually adhere to the beard and doesn't just oh. leak. So, oh, yeah, the, the you, you have one of those? Do, do you have sleep apnea or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I, 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 I wonder if I, uh, 
certain random topic, but I I wondered if I have that because I tend to snore pretty bad sometimes. Well, there's snoring. Sleep apnea is when you sort of you stop snoring and breathing, and then suddenly you (gasps) when your brain says, "Oh, you're dying! Wake up!" So it's pretty it's pretty easy to test. You just get a hospital, go to a sleep clinic, and they'll film you pervs and uh, measure your blood (laughs) oxygen and, and how many times you wake up. And stuff like yeah. that, yeah. But, but your your partner will know if if you've got it because it's suddenly like you you were snoring and I wanted to kill you and then he went quiet and I thought thank God he's dead and then suddenly he went <gasps> and started yeah, snoring again. Like, so, yeah. Big gasp of breath kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe not the not the topic for LDO, but I was just curious how how that is when you're sleeping. Is it uncomfortable or what the, the bed or the mask? The mask thing, yeah. Um, yeah, it takes a while to get. The, when I first started, I had this sort of triangular one, and that just gave me a, like a blister one day. And but oh. I've gone through about four different ones now, and now it's fairly comfy. It's just yeah. a bit, it's a bit different on this because it sort of pokes a bit and stuff, but it's all right. Yeah. Saves me shaving, which is nice. I, yeah. I was checking with Pippa because I got back from holiday. And I sort of shaved it to, I've got a beard trimmer, so I shaved it like five mil. And I was like, what do you think? And she says, it's okay, keep it growing. I said, do you want me to tie up these bits are underneath? And she's like, no. I think she's attracted to tramps, so I'm going tramp <laughs> I'll be back. Uh, this on. is Project Air. Work it. So on a more RC-related note, there was a blokey, um, yeah, calling it Project Air, who put a rocket, or a couple of different rocket boosters onto a foamy. And um, he was well pleased with the results because he thought that foam planes can go no faster than 140 miles an hour. And uh, we know from one of our previous guests, the excellent Oma Googly Bird, uh, that they certainly can because he hit 300 mile an hour on props. Yeah, um, Rupert's good friend of the show, very good bloke, and the ultimate speed demon he's been doing this a long time um and basically it, it creates so much torque launching one of these because they fly a very very small prop with very powerful motors that spins at almost hypersonic speeds so if you've seen him hand launch this the first thing it does is spin around like 20 times he's a very good pilot and can handle that for for me i'd just be like oh my god it's 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 dying so this is his world record one, which he gets a drone to drop. And you see when he starts to motor up, the first thing it does is still torque rolls. But, I mean, at this point, he's already beaten Project Air by by some way. And I know Roots yeah. was... He used a tracker for a while, because when you're going this fast, you're, you're 10 fields over before you've, you've turned around. His airspeed, he's hit 400 there. And he's keeping it, keeping it open, and there we are. He hits 500 wow. kilometers an 509. I think he was talking miles an hour with this, so that's uh, like two, 200 kilometers an hour. But yeah, that's still like two and a half times as fast as, as the yeah. Guys I, I did comment on on Project Air's video that he, he should go back and look at that because. Before you go rockets, you've got to you've got to look at what you can do, and part of that is getting the right battery, the right sort of prop, because as soon as you're getting ultra ultra power, 
uh, you'd think like, oh, you want a big prop, but the prop comes way down because it, you have to spin the prop so fast to catch some air uh, that it's kind of crazy. But funnily enough, it, yeah. it, it must be um, it must be in kilometers an hour because um, if it was miles an hour, then that would be like eight hundred kilometers an hour. What what are we talking about? Which dude? The the one we showed was three hundred miles an hour or five hundred. Yeah, yeah, five hundred nine kilometers oh, per oh, hour okay, or three hundred sixteen miles per hour. Here he gotcha. goes. Yeah, he, See, he's he, super like metric. He opens it up and he hits like one hundred and forty mile an hour. But the rocket engine actually burns out rather quickly, and it seems oh, to eject. They have a very itself. quick burn time, and they just do that really fast acceleration, don't mm. they? It really needs but two more interesting than one, things. I think. I, I mentioned the, the speed record things, and Project Air was actually there running um, a rocket turbine car, which he crashed, which was quite amusing. Oh, my word. Ended so that's not even... It was an hour. It's 140 kilometers an hour versus... That's only yeah. like... Who's doing yeah. 500. So, yeah. It's, back to the future. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's got just perfect to get his flux capacitor going, but <laughs> bad for anything else. He could do so well, much better. Also... Roops has run the that speed stuff with with jet turbines as well, which is slightly crazy to watch too. He got only a couple of mile an hour slower, I think. He just beat it with a, a carbon fiber custom prop that he had, and he was like two or three mile an hour slower with a jet. I think he said. Yeah, the jet the jet wasn't amazing. They were very expensive and went into nasty crashes. I remember a couple of years ago he bought this amazing. It's just a thing of beauty. This pure carbon fiber thing for speed i was like that's amazing when you're gonna fly it and he's like i don't know if i am because it's very expensive and it's so pretty and i didn't want to ruin it it might just hang above my fireplace for a while so who knows <laughs> i haven't seen him for oh, a shit. while as i was saying to Stephen, he's, he's had a child hmm. in the last couple of years so he's probably a bit busy there so i wonder if anyone knows project air we could kind of chat fast planes if if they do could be interesting he's done a lot of stuff hasn't he Hmm, he's done quite a few. But yeah, let's send off an email, see whether we can get them on. Um, should we call it there? Anyone else? Will Fair ever hold your piece? Well, I was going to show uh, one quick thing. Um, I think I showed this to you the other day, Jack. Um, and I just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on it, because I'm still relatively, you know, I'm still relatively new, a couple of years in, or less than a couple of years in now, but uh, let me present. I saw this on one of the local groups, and what do you think of that, guys? And, and <laughs> what is this? And what is happening here? I need some explanation. Uh, someone's decided, someone's Someone decided has the receiver is more important than a battery. Well, this is what happens when you, you get your first radio and you, you get your FlySky receiver with it, and you're like, okay, well, I guess I plug the servo cable to each of the the bits in the... No, the they're using iBus. Are they using iBus? Well, that's a start. Yeah. But you can buy a smaller receiver. I mean, back back in the day, I think... That's all my, you had. Yeah, my tricopter uses one of those great big Turnigy, um eight-channel things, and you just like everything's plugged in. But it's There is one like very not, early... I'll start with this and move up. I know for a fact, because I tried to help someone upgrade, there's one very early version of this... Um, a FlySky receiver where iBus isn't supported, 
and you have to do like PPM. So there's one like cursed model. And if you get the absolute cheapest radio that's available, it can't even handle iBus receivers and you end up with just monster, monster. Garbage. Yeah. Huh. So it, that was a quad with a FlySky FSI 6 receiver, the old school one with PWM for any audio listeners. Huh. And so. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because my receiver is like, you know, the size of a, like half the size of Thumbnail. a pen. Yeah. 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 Um, I suppose you have to think, Cole, that traditionally these have been plane receivers. So if you had a plane with a bunch of servos, then you'd be like, oh, this is great. I've got a couple of channels free and uh, no worries. It only gets ridiculous when you put them on little quads and then it doesn't, it's like, this is weird. This is not going to work. Yeah. yeah I wonder where sense. their antennas are. In the original like, quads, people, when that came out, were flying like 450 mil stuff, like mm. giant barbecue sized quads. Yeah, it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't a problem. Yeah. yeah, I just thought it was interesting, and uh, yeah, just uh, it, it seems like it's a bit of a. Is that? A, do you guys know what kind of frame that is? Or I don't mean to sort of take too long on this, but I was just curious. Can't tell from here. A six B. Is that just not a, a? Isn't that a Source One or something? Mm-hmm. What's the jigsaw off? That's my question. Other than the receiver, it doesn't look terrible. The camera is mounted very far back, which hints at someone either really liking how the knurled standoffs look or perhaps <laughs> not really. I like to fly when it looks like I'm fainting and the sides are closing in very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they want enhanced 4x3 aspect ratio. <laughs> it was like a canyon racing in an open field. Thank you. That is all we've got time for uh, this show. You've been listening to Let's Drone Out. And thank you to all our Patreons uh, who are scrolling down the bottom there. You've been joined by the man with the moustache, Stephen. Cheers. Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Bye-bye. My personal friend, Cole. See ya. And I've been bright until I fly. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Night, night. Telemetry lost.